When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Pewter post-game show following the preseason finale where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Baltimore Ravens by a score of 26-20 to with the starters getting some action early in the game and actually looking pretty good. We'll, we'll get into all of that, but obviously the big news of the evening was not, once again, anything that happened on the field. It was what was going on off of it, as Jason Light had announced on the WFLA broadcast with Rondé Barber and Chris Myers, that Bucks center Ryan Jensen is being placed on IR and will be out for the remainder of the season. So a tough blow there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we're going to break it all down. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Adam Slavon of PewterReport.com. Scott Reynolds will be joining us in a little bit as well, live from Raymond James Stadium. Um, he's got a couple things to do. He was in the locker room. He's at the press conference with Todd Bowles and Ryan Jensen. Jensen did speak, so we'll yep. we'll hear from um, – We'll hear from Scott Reynolds about that, too. We watch it as well. And so Scott will be on here in a bit. But, Adam, uh, your initial reaction to the news of Ryan Jensen being done for the year before he could even really get things started. Yeah, it's a tough blow for the Bucks and the offensive line, seeing that Ryan Jensen's out for the year. And as uh, Jensen said, it broke his heart, and I'm sure it breaks the Bucks' heart, knowing that he's not going to be on the field this season. And just kind of my initial reaction to that is it leaves the offensive line even thinner than before. Now, when yeah. you look at the center position, you have Robert Hainsey, who played last year as a starter and was average, I would say. Didn't like like the world on fire and wasn't awful, but somewhere in between. But beyond him, if he were to go down, as he did late in the season, who would be the center? Nick Leverett, who maybe profiles more yeah. as a guard? Uh, they have... John Mulchin is still in the picture, uh, undrafted free agent Chris Murray. But besides those two, it, there isn't a lot of uh, depth there and on the offensive line in general. So I wonder if a move will be made to kind of counteract that. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point with the depth at center after Ryan Jensen. Because I'll be fully honest. I mean, you know, we tapped into sources and no one was saying anything about Ryan Jensen. So... 
I was fully operating under the fact that Jensen was not going to play at all this season. As Wayne says in this comment, never expected Jensen to play. Neither did I. I was just fully operating under Jensen's out. And if he's able to return beginning of the year, middle, or even at the end, then that's awesome. That's a huge boost that's for the bonus, Bucks. Yeah. Exactly. It's a Bucks bonus, no pun intended. As uh, Diesel <laughs> Roche says, first time I've caught a live chat in a while. Go PR. Go Bucks. Yeah, we appreciate Obviously, the news sucks about Ryan Jensen. We're not going to sugarcoat that. But we do appreciate everybody watching the show this evening. We can kind of all bond together over um, everyone being upset about Ryan Jensen being unavailable for the season. But the, the depth thing is the biggest thing for me. Because when initially, when Jason Light said the news of Ryan's going to be on IR, he's out for the rest of the season, I kind of took it as a formality at this point. Yeah. I very much kind of like, oh, all right, well, duh. It was kind of to be expected. And I feel pretty good about Robert Haynes. I mean, obviously the big thing you lose with Jensen is the tenacity, the intensity, bringing like an attitude to this defense. You know, that's really and playing the alongside thing. Cody mock. Um, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, been yeah. Fun to see, you know, but that, that unfortunately is, um, is a, is another side story that we won't get to see this season, but that depth man is, is a scary one for real because Mulchin I think is probably the best candidate after Robert yeah. Hainsey, which is crazy to say. I think Nick Leverett's the best offensive lineman out of the people that you mentioned uh, with Chris Murray as well. But Leverett just didn't look comfortable as a center. In the last and he's not a game. Uh, yeah, like the go first ahead. Two reps, he got like blown by uh, and pushed back. And Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, had a loss of four yards. He got mm -hmm. more comfortable as the game went along. But do you want to trust him if something were to happen to Hainsey now? It brings a lot of questions. Sean Tyler says, if not for Werfs and Jensen injuries, I fully believe we would have repeated. I guess going back to the 2021 season, I think if Antonio Brown didn't leave either, that would have changed a lot. Jensen didn't get hurt in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. It was obviously last season when he got injured. But yeah, I mean, Leverett struggled at center. Murray didn't even play tonight. He was a yeah. game day inactive. So, you know, how... How much of a factor can he really be if he didn't even play in the last preseason game? So, I don't know. We'll see how the Bucks attack this, really. Um, obviously, roster cuts are coming up. Now, John Molshin, I think, may have found himself a spot on the roster now because of the Ryan Jensen move. Because at first, we were just talking about how, oh, well, maybe they'll keep Jensen on the team and then put him on IR so someone they'll have to, like, kind of bring back on the team after letting go. And Mulchin kind of seemed like a, a good candidate for him. But, yeah, Adam, this offensive line in general, we'll talk about the starters and, and how the main guys looked on offense, but the offensive line, the backups and everything, to your point, at times it looked like a turnstile throughout this preseason. They were much, much better today. But I'd be concerned about that depth of the offensive line. And that's going in hoping that a rookie at right guard excels and a right tackle that struggled at guard last season picks his game up. There's a lot of questions with this offensive line. Yeah. And while you mentioned that Jensen's uh, move to the injured reserve was more of a formality after not seeing him for the past week, it's even more question marks along the offensive line. Because you also have Matt Filer. Uh, at left guard, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. And then Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. So every single position, yeah. there's a question mark. And heading into week one, going up against the Vikings, who 
who have a good pass rush led by Daniel Hunter. It's going to be really interesting to see how they fare. And then looking at the backups along the offensive line, Brandon Walton, uh, the game against the Jets, he struggled. Uh, Justin School, maybe those two are like the next in line at the swing tackle position. But there's definitely a lot of question marks with the offensive line. And another question mark is, will Ryan Jensen ever play in the NFL again? Yeah, I think that's actually a huge question. You know, Jensen spoke to the media after and um, had some interesting things to say. He kept talking about how it's really just the cartilage in his knee that is the biggest problem. He said the ligaments are fine, like on the x-ray and everything. It's just the cartilage that hasn't necessarily panned out. He kept saying the... Something with a compartment, something with the compartment in his knee, the cartilage was not working out for him. And that's why um, and that's why he's, you know, hasn't been able to come back and and, and play and everything like that. And he said he's going to fight his butt yeah. off to return for next season. It, it well, sucks. How much more Again, can he can he put it, in than what he did right, this offseason? Exactly. There's not much that he can really do do with it and he's he even said surgery would make it worse so yeah i mean there's a there is i'm not a doctor i i don't want to speculate too much but there is a chance as as gary says we owe jensen money this year and next year they can't just cut jensen with an injury settlement because they do owe him a lot of money and there's obviously doing the whole tom brady credit card thing right now i don't think they want to jump right back into that pool with a ryan jensen credit card but there and there's nothing you can do with injury but they're paying him a lot of money for essentially what was the preseason the the playoff game last season which yeah. he struggled with a lot adam i hate to say it, but like there is a legitimate chance that ryan jensen never plays center again in the nfl yeah that's a sad statement that uh big red may not see the field again and it's just a really unfortunate blow for jensen uh after spending all of last season kind of like slowly recovering, playing in the playoff game. There was hope that he was heading into this offseason, getting healthier. And then Todd Bull said after the game, once he actually started working, that's when it got worse. When you started to see the swelling and the cartilage damage come into play. And it's just really unfortunate. And it's kind of like a what if. What if he would have opted for the surgery instead of uh, like taking different yeah. opinions from doctors and going that route? And it it's really unfortunate. That's all I can really say about it. Yeah, pretty much. And and Scott Reynolds is going to join us in a little bit for anyone that's just tuning into the show. Scott will be joining us live from Raymond James Stadium um, at some point during the show. Could be in five minutes, could be halfway through it. So we'll talk more about Jensen when Scott gets back on the show. Um, we do have video of Todd Bowles talking about the injury. Was there a setback? When did they come to this decision? So this is Todd Bowles talking specifically right after the game about putting Ryan Jensen on IR and effectively ending his season. Uh, congrats on the win, but Ryan Jensen going to injure reserves, kind of the bigger news tonight. Uh, can you just talk about that? And, and when was that decision made? We've asked you several times about his status and you said status quo. It was status quo. We did everything we can to get him ready. He did everything he could to get ready. He wasn't responding. And at this point in time, on the further evaluation from the doctors, we decided to put him on IR. So. Some kind of setback? 
Well, the more he did on it, you know, the worse it got. So, you know, when you're healed, when you don't do anything, you're not healed once you start working on it and it's not responding. That was just made the last day or so. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Jensen hadn't been practicing for a little while. I think Bowles makes a a fair statement about, well, yeah, like, you can be healthy just moving around and everything, but when you start actually, like, playing and, and putting stress yeah. on that knee, that kind of changes things, and um, I think that's kind of what we saw, and they obviously were very, very slow with bringing Jensen along. He would practice, then he wouldn't. He wouldn't do team stuff. I mean, the most physical thing he did was the one-on-one blocking, and I'm curious how much that affected his knee. But outside of that, Todd Bowles didn't really comment much uh, about it. Um, Jensen we'll get to in a little bit when Scott Reynolds joins the show. Uh, We got a lot of comments as well about what went on tonight. Obviously, uh, the Bucs did play today. Tonight, they won 26-20. to Brian Gomez with TGHT says, was that a B-Day party and missed the whole game? How'd the first team look and who shined? Yeah, let's get into the beginning of this game, especially the first half, because I think the second half really, Adam, was dominated by the unfortunate Ryan Jensen news. But, I mean, starting out with this offense, not ideal. They went three and out early on. Um, two short passes by Baker Mayfield. Both completed. Baker completed every single pass that he threw in tonight's game, which was uh, which was a good sight to see. But that first drive, no one was open. He went with someone underneath. A nice run on the play. The defense started out very slow. And let's remember, the, yeah, the Ravens that first did not. Drive. The Ravens did not play their starters on either side of the football. There was no Lamar Jackson. There's no Odell Beckham. Um, I, they got a lot of studs on, on defense as well. Who's that linebacker that they got? Uh, Roquan Smith, obviously. Yep. Like, he didn't play. So, Josh Johnson, former Buccaneer great, who's been around 2008 the draft pick. Sliced, been on, like, what, 14 yeah. teams or something uh, like that? He's been on a lot of teams. He sliced yeah. and diced that Bucks defense on the first drive, drove them all the way down the field. Bam, 7 nothing Ravens. But then the Bucs kicked it into high gear on both sides of the football. Devin Tompkins, a great return to the 40-yard line. Then it was all letting Baker bake, finding uh, Chris Godwin early and often, an end-around run to Kate Otten. Rashad White had some good runs in there as well. Then Baker went back to Chris Godwin a couple times. I think maybe my favorite play was the swing pass to Kaitlin Geiger, where Devin Mm. Tompkins had a pancake block, uh, knocking some guys out to open up some room for Kalen Geiger. And then uh, Baker Mayfield hit a 10-yard touchdown pass to Chris Godwin. And then Kyle Trask came in after. But your initial thoughts with the starters, Adam, how everything looked uh, with Baker in the game and, and a lot of starters getting some action for the first time. Yeah, so my first impression was that in the first quarter, the passing was really on point. Uh, as you alluded to, Baker Mayfield going 6-for-6. Six six. Kyle Trask, uh, on his first drive, he was very efficient going 6-for-7. Uh, And in the first quarter as a whole, they were 12 for 13, 110 yards and two touchdowns. So it was really encouraging to see the offense being able to move the ball and score some touchdowns in this game and really firing on all cannons. Um, So you had the. You did that on purpose. You you mentioned the the Kate Otten jet sweep play for 12 yards and just showing the creativity on offense. And then you had uh, Rashad White having seven carries for 39 yards. It looked like on every single running play, he was able to get like a second effort, a second wind, and being able to fight for an extra yard or two. So just really impressive to see the offense 
Uh, also, Tristan Wirfs was out there at left tackle. It was encouraging to see him out there as well. And he really looks like a natural there. Uh, Baker Mayfield kind of alluded to it after after the game during his press conference. But just really impressive from all of those guys. And that's not to mention the big play that Trey Palmer had. Oh, my God. He essentially – I think he should have got, like, an interception uh, statistic for that. Because he, like – Yeah, I don't, that it was... looked like the ball was intended <laughs> – for Trey Palmer, but he went up, snatched it, made another big play, had a nice punt return. His legs weren't even on well. the ground. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, Scott Reynolds is about to join us before Scott comes on. Let's talk about Scott's favorite energy drink and our favorite energy drink as well. Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. So many awesome, delicious flavors that you can try uh, the newest one is the sparkling sorry the uh yeah sparkling fruit punch the cosmic vibe can't go wrong with the lemon lime or the orange either or the strawberry lemonade uh, no sugar no post energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there so go to the celsius store locator punch in your address and it'll tell you the closest location to pick up a celsius energy drink at your local convenience store health and wellness store or your bodega and then if you want to start getting it in bulk Go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. You could have Celsius uh, sent to your residence really whenever you want. I'd recommend getting that variety pack so you could have it sent uh, every week, month, quarterly, yearly. Get that variety pack. This variety is the spice of life as you see all the different flavors on the screen. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. All right, joining us. Live from Randy James Stadium is SR Scott Reynolds. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. Biggest news of the evening, obviously, was yeah. Jason Knight uh, rep reporting, announcing uh, live during the WFLA broadcast that Ryan Jensen is going on IR and is out for the season. Just your initial reactions, and then obviously you were um, at the press conference with Todd Bowles and Ryan Jensen where he did speak. Yeah. So uh, lay it on us, Scott. Well, it certainly was disappointing news, right? It, it's something, Matt, that we've kind of hinted at for a while. I think we've said on a podcast or two last week, sometimes it's not what we're told. Sometimes it's what we're not told, right? And we've yeah, been probing our sources about Ryan Jensen, and we've heard crickets. And sometimes no news is bad news. And I yeah. think that's what this was. And, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go back and look and say, the last time he practiced was before the preseason opener against the Steelers, and he has not practiced since then. He didn't have a setback, but he certainly didn't make any progress. And what, how Ryan Jensen characterized it was when he was doing all of the workouts leading up to football practice, to training camp, he was not having any pain per se. There was some soreness, but once he started doing those football drills, and even though he was practicing one day and taking a day off, he was feeling some pain. It was different from soreness. It was pain. And um, he didn't come out and say it tonight. He was asked about it if he regrets not doing surgery. And he, he said no. Uh, and the thing is, the ligaments are fine. So yeah. when you have surgery, right, that's, that's, that's to repair ligament damage. And in hindsight, he didn't need that. But the real kicker, he's had cartilage damage. Cartilage, once you lose it, it's gone, right? Um, th there's, there's no replacing that. 
And when you get the bone on bone, that's that's where the pain comes from. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that cartilage in your knee, supporting your knee, um, I, I'm afraid that Ryan Jensen has played his last down, not just in Tampa Bay, but in the NFL. He's 32 years old. I don't see him making a comeback. Certainly hope that he does, but yeah, th- this is not going to get better. When you don't have the necessary cartilage, when you ha- have cartilage in there, it just it's um, it, it, it's just not good. And he's he's not 23; he's 32, right? Those numbers are kind of juxtaposed in, in the wrong way for Ryan Jensen, unfortunately. It's yeah, bad and when I th- it happens like in the NBA when uh, you're a Knicks fan, Matt. Uh, Derrick yeah. Rose, when he had the torn ACL with the Chicago Bulls, he was a young point guard in his early 20s. Ryan Jensen, he's an offensive lineman in his early 30s. Uh, Derrick yeah. Rose wasn't able to get back to form. It doesn't look likely that Ryan Jensen will either. Yeah, and I think what really was most telling, I mean, there's a lot of things that were telling, and obviously you could hear it in in Jensen's voice. He wasn't, you know, straight up, shedding tears like he kind of was in his first press conference but you could hear it in his voice obviously this is affecting him in a very serious way understandably so this is his career this is his livelihood and you know he kept saying he's gonna he's gonna fight his butt off to to get back and the thing that really stood out to me was when he said yeah if we tried to do surgery it would actually make it worse and i'm thinking Listen, I'm not a medical expert, but typically when you yeah. get surgery, it's to make something better and to yeah. improve your quality of life, whether it's your knee or whatever body part. And the fact that his knee is, is just so affected in a way that where surgery would make it worse, yeah. like you never really hear and, anything like that. And Scott, yeah. where the Bucks, I think, are screwed more than anything else. One, not having Ryan Jensen, who's one of the best centers when he's fully right. healthy. But contractually, I mean, they have him for next season, too, and they're already paying the Tom Brady tax. Now they're putting a lot, and there's nothing they can do about it, but there's a lot of money going to Ryan Jensen without getting his services in it either. Yeah. So the Bucks financially are in a very tough spot, too. Yeah, I, I got to think because of the mutual respect between Ryan Jensen and Jason Light, I almost think, and this is just my speculation, but it's, it's informed in speculation only because I've been in covering this this team and this league for almost three decades. It's not informed speculation in that I've heard this from any team source. But my guess is that they they put Jensen on IR. That's what they're going to do, obviously. Yeah. He's going to get paid this year every penny because he's entitled to it, right? Yep. And then I think that they come to an agreement next year and say, Ryan, look, um, you're, you're 33 now. The knee's not going to come back. You're going to retire and we need to recoup some cap savings, right? Like you, you've gotten paid two years to play one playoff game. Yeah. Right. And we feel that's fair. Now help the team out and, you know, and and see if we can come to some type of injury settlement or some type of agreement to lower the cap hit that they were going to have to, to, to take on, or I should say that they're slated to take on right now for next year. So, that's what I envision happening just because of, of this. And if Ryan Jensen does retire, then we just saw with Corey Davis, you know, teams are are able to, to recover some cap room. Yeah. I think that's, that's what's, what's in, in the works here. And, it, you know, even though Ryan Jensen was asked if playing last year, or I should say earlier this year in January yeah. in that playoff game against the Cowboys, 
if that was detrimental to his recovery. Because remember, he was practicing for several days, right? To be able to be yeah. and clear to play in that game, right? So what happened there, right? Because, I mean, he was apparently further ahead there. If he's able to play in a game, that was more progress than he has had now in training camp where he has not put two days together in terms of practice. So he said that, that, uh, that no, that game wasn't detrimental to his knee. I'm not inclined to believe him, and I'm not saying that he's lying, but I, I think that he doesn't want to blame his desire to play in that game with Tom Brady and help the team out. I don't think he wants to, to put the blame on that. But the reality of it is, is the, the question he was asked his last... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. question in the press conference was, well, why go on injured reserve for the entire year? Why not yeah. go on injured yeah. reserve and then have a chance to come back later this year? And what he said was... And it was kind of contradictory to what he said earlier, which is, well, the fear is that if I rush coming back, that I, I it, it ends up being detrimental. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. That's what happened back in January. And, you know, who knows? You can't go back in time. There's no time machine. We don't know if Ryan Jensen would have missed that game, if he would have been better off from a recovery standpoint, or if... He gets to camp and he still has these problems. We just don't know. And we're never, we're never going to know. But yeah. it just seems to me that playing in that game in Dallas certainly didn't help him out for, you know, for, for, for where we are now. Right. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't blame a guy for, you know, wearing his heart on his sleeve and wanting to play in a big game. It's the playoffs. You're trying to come yeah. back. So it's unfortunate that it happened, but, Man, let me tell you, if 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 Jason Light, Todd Bowles, and Ryan Jensen ever committed a crime together and or you know try to try to take on a heist or something, they would all end up going to jail because none of their stories are on the same page. Jason <laughs> Light, Jason Light's in the booth being like, "Yeah, we knew about this for weeks. We're just we're making it public yeah. now." And then Todd Bowles, right up at the podium, gets asked about it and is like. Yeah, we uh we didn't make this decision until yesterday or the day yeah. before, whatever. So clearly, not all the stories are lining up, and everything you just said about Ryan Jensen being a little yeah. contradictory about timetables and, and yeah. things of that nature. And, and you know what? And here's so here's the thing. So Tristan Worfs, who did our training camp diary, I asked him a couple times about Ryan Jensen, and uh, and quite frankly, you know. Uh, Tristan Wirfs was telling some white lies and he yeah. admitted it. He said, it's, it's, it's kind of been hard to keep it a secret because the diagnosis was not good. And I think everybody in the building, right. They, they, they wanted Ryan Jensen to come back. That's the thing is it's like th their fibs are, are well-intentioned, right? Yes. They, they, yeah. they wanted him to come back. They were hopeful. Well, maybe, you know, you don't take him to New York and maybe the knee feels better and you test it and all of a sudden, okay, maybe it's, maybe you've, you've taken a step forward and it just didn't happen. Right. I think that's the unfortunate thing is, is there was a lot of hope 
but the problem is, is hope's not a strategy, you know, and, and, um, you look at, at, I think the salary cap number that Jensen carried and people might say, well, you know, Jason Light didn't really prepare himself well for, for this type of scenario. Okay. Well, the thing is, is you've got Robert Hainsey on the roster who started 17 games last year, plenty of experience. He's a bigger guy now. He's better heading into year two. This is actually a, a better scheme fit for Robert Hainsey than the, the Byron Leftwich Bruce Arian system. Yeah. Nick Leverett has some experience, although he has not looked as good as at center as I think he is at guard. Um, you know, you've got Chris Murray, who they might put on the practice squad as a developmental center. You've got John Moulton, who can do some snapping as well. It's not ideal, but it's not like Jason Light could have gone out and got another starting caliber center because you're still carrying that starter money for Ryan Jensen this year. To me, the most telling thing was during the Jets joint practice that he didn't travel up there to go with the team. And with the Bucks really keep him on the active roster all season just for him to maybe play one playoff game this year if the Bucks were to make the playoffs. So it didn't make a lot of logistical sense. And I wonder if the Bucks are better off having an extra player on the 53 man roster instead of Jensen. Yeah, I think so. And 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 again, it, it kind of makes more sense too, because you're gonna have to to wave in when I did the 53 man roster prediction. You know, I, I forecasted Jensen going on injured reserve. Yeah. I thought that maybe they would they would keep him on the roster for roster cut down day, and then the next day put him on IR. Then you have the option to bring him back later in the year. This is obviously too severe, and they just want to do it now. And I think to your point, Adam, it's when you look at at their roster, you know, moves here, uh, you would have to cut a player that you have an intention of bringing back. And whenever you cut a player, you're risking losing that player, getting picked up on waivers by some other team. So I think now it's kind of cut and dry. Hey, Jensen's going on IR. He's done for the year. And the 53 that that we're going to keep, we don't have to worry about, you know, the the wink and the nod and the handshake. And, hey, you know, we're going to cut you, but we're going to bring you back when we put Jensen on IR. Now they just keep the 53 guys that they like, and then they get a chance to see the waiver wire. And if there's any other players out there that John Spitek and, and Rob McCartney and those guys in the pro department have scouted that they want to swap out a guy or two for, and, and we'll see. The, the roster is not going to be set with the 53. Right. They're going to make some adjustments to it. Yeah, that's what I said the other day, Scott, on the show, that I think maybe not necessarily a starter, but there's going to be yeah. a, an offensive lineman on this roster that isn't currently in yeah. the organization. And I think I agree with, with Jensen, again, not the most shocking thing that he's going on IR because he hadn't practiced in weeks. So he kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel. But we were also kind of tipped off to it the other day when Dave Canales spoke. And I asked him specifically about Cody Malk and, and uh, Luke Gedeke. And then he went on to talk about the rest of the offensive line. He's like, the right yeah. side, they're my uh, – they're like my athletic guys. They're my movers. Yeah. And then you, I have two giant guys on the left side. And then in the middle, Robert Haynes, he's the brains. And I'm thinking, yeah. so what about Ryan Jensen? What, what's going on there? But yeah. moving forward with this yeah. offensive line, Jensen's on IR. He's not coming back. So eventually we're all going to have to move on with Ryan Jensen. Yeah. This depth scares me, Scott. It it yeah. really, yeah. it really, really does after Robert Haynes. And we know what we're getting with Robert Hainsey. I I think yeah. he was obviously very solid last season. But if something happens to him, like it did, you know, going into the playoff game against yeah. the Cowboys, 
like, am I crazy for saying that John Mulchin seems like the best option specifically at center for this offensive line? Because as you said with Nick Leverett, I think he's yeah. great as a guard, but I don't trust him yeah. at all as a center. I, I agree. And the other thing, too, is is John Mulchin didn't play center tonight, uh, or at least yeah. I didn't see him in the second half. I think they went with, with Nice instead. Um, and the reason why I say that is because when this news dropped in the third quarter, uh, with with Jason Light telling WFLA, our, our partner um, in the official station of the Buccaneers, that Jensen was going in injured reserve, we're writing stories, we're kind of scrambling, and we're we're not paying as close of attention to part of the third and, and the fourth quarter uh, collectively. Yeah. I think you guys <laughs> maybe pr- probably were more than us, but we were writing stories, cropping pictures, making graphics, and doing everything for this podcast, and then putting up those stories and hats off to Bailey Adams knocking out just yep. one, but two Ryan Jensen stories, JC Allen transcribing quotes from Jason light. It was a well-oiled machine here in the, in the press box from the Peter report side. But yeah, um, I I'm kind of with you, Matt, based on what we've seen from John Mulchin, I'm going to do some probing. I'm going to make some calls and, and send out some texts and see how they feel about John Mulchin, but he's been around here enough and, and he's a bigger guy. I, I like what I've seen so far, but you know, my name's not, Harold Goodwin or Joe Gilbert. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we do have a super chat, uh, 1999. Thank you so much to Mopar Buck for the super chat. Mopar says, I'm late, but let's be honest, this isn't news. Jensen shouldn't even, he said there were typos in this. Uh, Jensen shouldn't even had yeah. his butt uh, in that play game last season. Playoff game, naturally, yeah. yeah. Playoff game last season. Who naturally heals an injury like that? Uh, the Bucks organization handled this very poorly, in my yeah. opinion. I'm not a doctor, so I like I, I can't be like, oh, well, they should have done this instead of that, or he yeah. should have done two practices and then a day off or whatever. But they did yeah. take him along very, very slowly. And considering that he was back in January, and yeah. at the time he said that there was no yeah. setbacks at him, the fact that he was playing in that game and then, like – it took him so slowly. That's where there's, I think, a uh, room for a little bit of criticism with this whole thing. And I just wonder what the Bucks were exactly expecting with uh, Ryan Jensen over the offseason, that he was just going to magically heal and be ready week one if they were hoping that he was going to maybe come along mm-hmm. midseason, or were they expecting him not to play at all? I think that's a big question mark in this whole thing is what were they actually thinking Ryan Jensen was going to do on the field this season? Because yeah, you know I don't know. I, that, that's a good question. I mean, I think that him playing in that, that playoff game against Dallas, I, I really believe that gave the Buccaneers a false sense of hope to be perfectly yeah. candid. I, I think yeah. that, that they said, okay, you know what? He came back, he played, it was ugly, but he went out there and played, played the whole thing wire to wire. Didn't, didn't appear to get re-injured. Right. And then, you know, you sit there and think, okay, well that's January. Golly, by, by July, by August, August. Yeah. He should he should be okay. And again, I think that they went into this Jensen, Todd Bowles, Jason Light with the best intentions, with the most hopeful intentions. And again, keep in mind, I know that there's people out there criticizing Jason Light, and I'm not necessarily here to defend Jason Light. Probably should have, you know, not as not been as hopeful. I will say this: Jason Light and Ryan Jensen have got a rapport. This is yeah. one of the best free agent signings, the healthy version of Ryan Jensen. The guy that helped the Bucks win the Super Bowl, the guy that made the Pro Bowl. That version of Ryan Jensen is is one of Jason Light's better signings, right? The dude yeah, was yeah. essentially a backup in Baltimore, 
and he took a chance and made this guy the highest paid center in the league. And Ryan Jensen, after the first year in Tampa, which he would admit was underwhelming, picked it up, got in really good shape and was literally one of the best centers in the league for the span of about three years until this injury. So I think they went into it with the best of intentions. I do think there was a bit of a false hope in the fact that he played in that, that playoff game, gave them a bit of false sense of security. And again, the Buccaneers were handicapped this offseason with the salary cap. Mm-hmm. You know, you're paying Ryan Jensen. If you cut Ryan Jensen, you take a massive cap hit. So, and you can't cut a player who's injured because then you get, you know, hit by uh, a grievance from the league. And again, they're hopeful that he comes back. So you've got, you know, you're, you have a guy paying that you're paying starter money. You have a guy, Robert Hansey, who's on a rookie contract. Good. That helps you out financially. He's got 17 games under his belt. Um, they weren't planning for this to happen. They they weren't thinking this was going to happen. I think they were living in hope. And again, hope is great, but it's not a strategy. And it it came back to bite him. And sometimes yeah. you roll the dice and you don't win. And I think this is one of those things. And, and you know, thankfully, they've got a better version of Robert Hansey. He's not as good as, as, as Ryan Jensen is, but I think he's going to be a better version of what we saw from Robert Hansey last year. And I think this is a better scheme fit. Even Ryan Jensen said that, and we'll see how he does. But then again, as, as you've said, as you know, as um, James Hill wrote for Peter Report today, the O-line depth, it's a little scary along the offensive line. Yeah, it's a little thin at the moment. And I understand there's a lot of people in the chat that are unhappy with Jason Light and, you know, and the, and the building the offensive line specifically with yeah. the depth. And by the way, thank you so much to John407 for the 999 Super Chat that says, love the show, especially this past live draft coverage. John, thank you so much. We appreciate yeah, that. Thank you. And thank you for the Super Chat. But the last thing I'll say about Light building depth for the team and the offensive line. Yes, it could be better, but you know, they drafted Luke Edeke last season. They drafted Cody Mouth this year. It's not for like a lack of effort. Like he keeps going after offensive linemen every single year. And let's also remember. And Robert Hainsey before that, Matt, you're right. Robert Hainsey before that. And let's also remember Ali Marpet retiring two seasons ago was a huge thing that no one saw coming at the time. He was only like what? 29. Exactly. A, a huge curveball was still under contract. Yeah. So then he had to go and and trade for Shaq Mason. And now he's not with the team anymore. So we had to address right. another position that, you know, he could have been like, oh, we're fine. We got Ali Marpet. He's right. one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So that yeah. really set the, the depth and the offensive line in general back a little bit when Ali Marpet retired. It kind of, maybe not well a butterfly effect, but it changed a lot of things. But to say that if you want to say that the, the offensive line depth is, is not that good, I would agree with you. But to say that he didn't try to address it, I think, is is not exactly fair because they did it with Gedeke and Robert yes. Hainsey. And, and, and they did and it the with trade, Hainsey. like you said. And the yeah. trade. And they did it with Hainsey specifically when their offensive line was set intact and maybe they didn't even necessarily need another offensive lineman at the time. Right. But good thing that they did draft Robert Hainsey because now he's super, super important to this offensive line. And I'm sure he'll draft another offensive lineman next season. So I go back to something that Todd Bowles said, I think last year too, he was saying, he was talking a little bit more about tackles, but I think it, I think it goes for the entire offensive line. Yeah. It's tough to find the backup offensive tackles that become available because when you have a good offensive lineman, you hold on to that guy. You make him a starter or you (laughs) sign him to a long-term contract. 
Yeah. You can get away with like cutting a running back and, oh, let's pick up this running back. Maybe he'll do something for us. It doesn't happen with offensive linemen because we all understand that the trenches, offensive and defensive line, are the two most important, and quarterback, obviously, but they're the most important things to a successful football team. So I just wanted to address that. Mopar with another super chat. Thank you so much. Says, our O-line depth is tied up in a horrible gauge contract. Yeah, and, you know, I'll say this. um, Again, um, Jason Light makes mistakes. Every general manager does. And uh, without a direct quote, I can tell you, uh, Jason Light's learned his lesson when it comes Mm -hmm. to the Russell Gage contract. You will see more one-year prove-it deals and uh, going forward, they've worked out well. Shaq Barrett comes to mind, yeah. you know, et cetera. And, uh, you know, uh, even Leonard Fournette is, is another one that worked out well, these these one-year proof deals. And we might see that this year with, with Ryan Neal. That's certainly the hope in the secondary, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they learned their lesson. I, you're going to see more one-year deals. Uh, if you want to play for us, you're going to play for one year. We'll see how you do. Uh, that was a bit of a gamble, and it certainly hasn't paid off. Um, with Gage's performance and with his injuries, right? That's a lot of money, $10 million. And granted, he took a pay cut this year, but lesson learned, that's not going to happen again. I think the only players that are really going to get paid, now, if, if, if another Tom Brady comes out there, right, you're going to pay him because he's a proven guy yeah. in this league, yeah. right? But the proven guys here, Antoine Winfield, Tristan Werps, those are the guys that are going to get the big money long-term contract extensions. The Buccaneers who have been here, done that, and proven it within this organization for multiple years. And so I, I think that's – I hear you. And you know who else would agree with you? Jason Light would agree with you about the Russell Gage contract. If he could get <laughs> out of it right now, he would. They tried. They they got the pay cut. He ended yeah. up getting hurt. And I think we've probably seen Russell Gage uh, you know, play his last down in Tampa as well. The Bucs were – is yeah, I was just going to say, hindsight is twenty twenty with the Gage contract. Yeah. But it was also at a time when wide receivers were getting a lot of money when they yeah. were signing all these big That's contract true. extensions. So Jason Light, he went out there, got a bargain signing to replace Antonio Brown, yeah. someone who had production with the Falcons. It just ended up not working out. And injuries are more to blame. If Russell Gage was on the field last season or even this year, having more opportunity, you would have saw a different Russell Gage. Yeah, and That's well said, Adam. And the other caveat we need to point out is got Russell Gage for Tom Brady. And you mentioned it. That was to replace Antonio Brown. They probably don't make that move. They probably don't don't go out there and give uh, Russell Gage a three-year, $30 million contract, $10 million a year, if it's Baker Mayfield, right? Or if it's Kyle Trask. Uh, The fact that it was Tom Brady, it was the last push, the last salvo. They saw what happened when when A.B. wasn't in the playoffs. It was Mike and Chris and you know, so yeah, they needed another wide receiver, and I think they kind of force-fed that for Tom Brady. It didn't work out. Bucks were already underdogs before the injuries, and now with their latest injuries to Russell Gage and Ryan Jensen, they're probably even more underdogs now. But of yeah. course, uh, underdog is fun to play if you go uh, to underdog fantasy. Their best ball mania is coming up soon. Uh, one of the funnest tournaments that you can do a ton of prize money. The cool thing is you just draft your team. There's a, there's a buy-in $15 million in total prizes. But when you draft your team, you just set it and forget it. As you see on the screen, no trades, no waivers. You don't have to worry about different bye weeks and things like that. It just accumulates the best scores from 
your top players each week, which is super fun because, you know, you Peter people are busy. you got a lot going on. You're focused on the Bucks, but you can't draft every single Bucks player for this best ball mania. Maybe you can, but, you know, other people want Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So uh, underdog fantasy, use that promo code pewter. $15 million to total prizes, $3 million to the first place winner in underdog fantasy uh, for best ball mania. But you could do a lot of different leagues as well. Pewter Report is going to be having some leagues coming up soon. If you want to play against us, you can email us um, individually. Scott is uh, SR at PeterReport.com. I'm saying this out loud for people listening to the audio version. I'm Matt at PeterReport.com. Uh, Josh Capo is Josh.Capo, Q-U-E-I-P-O at gmail.com. Bailey Adams is BaileyJAdams22 at gmail.com. You can email Adam as well. Adam, you want to pitch your uh, email real quick? Yeah, it is uh, Adam, uh, L-I-V-S-O-N-0-1 at gmail.com. Cool. Yeah. I see so what you, you did there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Adam yeah. lives on. It's like a little play in your, <laughs> your last name, Adam Slavon. I love it. Love it. Yeah. There you go. So if you want to play against us, we'll be starting up leagues uh, next week. You can also do over unders, um, a lot of different fun events that you could do with Underdog Fantasy. So use that promo code Pewter, get a bonus when you sign up with UnderdogFantasy.com. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the game itself. Yeah. We can stick with the offensive line. And on Monday show, we'll talk a lot about the yeah. starters as well. Uh, but yeah. the offensive line, with all the worries that we've had about them even before Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. Oh, and Tristan for the first Wirfs. Time. Oh, <laughs> I man. Mean, that line oh. was getting a good let, – okay, let's let's stick with oh. the one asterisk of it was the Ravens' backups. We didn't see yes. all the starters for the Ravens. But the offensive line – yeah, looked really, really, really good tonight. Yeah, for real. Uh, Tristan Wirfs was was moving bodies, man. I mean, uh, what's the song? Uh, when the bodies hit the floor. Let the I mean, bodies hit yeah. the floor. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Tristan Wirfs was just paving the way. If I'm if I'm Rashad White, <laughs> um, you're running you know, that way. I, I, Yeah, I I grew up when I was a little kid watching the Washington Redskins, right? And John Riggins was my favorite player, and um, and he would just uh, look for for route 66 and that was joe jacoby the the offensive tackle for the the redskins back then number 66 you just call him route 66 i'm going to follow route 66 and hit it and i'm just saying it's like it's all rashad white has to do is follow route 78 um just find where that guy is and run that way because tristan Wirfs had some amazing combo blocks in this game and was just moving bodies and matt filer it, it just makes a nice, big, massive one-two punch there on that side. Yeah. Really like the way that... This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. That Rashad White ran the ball tonight. Uh, I asked Baker Mayfield about Werfs and uh, about uh, Rashad White. And, and the thing about White that he really liked is he's such a good tempo runner that mm -hmm. he he's uh, he's kind of a slippery back. And, and slippery really... was the, I don't mean to cut you off, but slippery yeah. was the exact word I had in my mind. No doubt. And that's exactly what he is, is he, he knows when to match the gas. He, he does a good job of finding the hole. He 
he's big enough guys where he can push the pile and get that extra yard or two. He can turn a two-yard run into a four-yard run, a uh, seven-yard run into a nine-yard run. And he was and, doing that. And he was doing that. Exactly, Adam. He was doing that. Yeah, Adam, well, your thoughts about the offensive line and, and the run game, because it looked new and improved from uh, – I mean, you, Adam, you and I were sitting in MetLife Stadium during yeah. that game against the Jets where, uh, you know, it was negative loss, negative loss, two-yard run, negative loss – a night and day difference between that game last week and then getting the starters for this one. Even even Keyshawn Vaughn looked looked a little yeah. bit better. Not fantastic, but at least improved. He, he had 4.3 yards to carry, which you would take that any day of the week. And then you had Sean Tucker, um, again, kind of showing that elusiveness. In my opinion, I think he should be running back number two over somebody like Vaughn and even Edmonds. Uh, but overall, all the running backs that came into the game played well. Ronnie Brown towards the end of the game. Uh, had an eight-yard rush, and then Patrick Laird, he decided to try to do yeah. a hurdle in Antonio Brown fashion uh, and gain 21 yards. But just for the running game, a lot more creative. It looks like the running backs, uh, they play a lot smoother within the scheme, and the offensive line was a big part of that. Um, I think the tackles played really well besides Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Justin School uh, is somebody uh, the Jets reporters were kind of talking about uh, during mm-hmm. joint practice. I mean, he's six seven. The uh, tied for the t- tallest player on the team with Charles Snowden, and he might be the best option at swing tackle. Yeah, and the thing too is is when you look at Rashad White because he's the starter, right? Seven carries, a five point um, eight yard average tonight, and and the Buccaneers as a whole. Granted, it wasn't all the starters, but 158 yards rushing. Right? I mean, it, it's been a minute since the Buccaneers have had that type of run game. And granted, it was against some backup players, and it was with some backup players. So you have yeah. to take it with a grain of salt. But but you look at what Rashad White did with that starting offensive line, and that certainly gives you hope. And uh, I'll tell you what, guys, um, did you notice any bad play calls tonight? Did you notice any befuddling moments, right? I mean, we, we've all seen that. We know what that looks like after watching Byron Leftwich, especially last year. We know what bad play calls look like. I thought this we was do. a masterful game. From I wasn't uh, tallying down all the first run, first down runs up the middle like right. uh, last season. Exactly. So what I'm saying is, and listen, there are going to be some games where it doesn't go Dave Canales' way. There are going to be some defensive uh, coordinators that that really are winning that chess match, right? Because Canales, he is what he is. He's a first-time play caller. There's going to be some ugly moments. There's going to be some games where it doesn't work. The, the, the yardage isn't going to be there. The points are going to be there. But boy, tonight it just seemed like like he was uh, an orchestra conductor and everything was in tune, whether it was Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. And the only fault I have with Trask is he just missed some throws. Yeah. I mean, the receivers were open, right? The scheme was there. The play call was there. It just, I think Trask made some throws early and then he had some that just kind of got away from him, right? Good news is no interceptions, no real dangerous throws. I think maybe the most dangerous throw he made was ended up being a Trey Palmer highlight. Yeah. But I just like I, I'm looking at this game and and I'm, I'm you know, I wasn't even thinking that Dave Canales, this was his third game calling plays. So yeah. I was just really impressed with how it all came together. Um, you know, it, yeah, there was, you know, a, a three and out to start. But boy, that second drive picked things up. And from there, it just seemed like the Bucks didn't have any problems really moving the football. Uh, first of all, just want to give a shout out to Trustin Vorbeck. Thank you so much for the 1999 Super Chat. Trustin says, just want to say 
Love you guys. We love you too, Trust. Love Thank you, you too. so much for Thank that. You. I mean, the first thing that stood out to me, creativity. There was a 12-yard yeah. run, not by Rashad White, not by Sean Tucker, yeah. not even by, I don't know, a speedy <laughs> wide receiver, by tight right. end Cade Otten. If that doesn't yeah. scream creativity, I don't know what does. But, Scott, that does go to your point of sometimes things won't go Canales' way. That play yeah. did. But say that right. gets blown up immediately, everyone's going, what are you doing running with Kate on? Right. He's the slowest guy <laughs> on offense. What are you doing yeah. here? But uh, Mopar Buck with another super chat. Mopar, super. you are the MVP of yeah. Uh, yeah. tonight's broadcast. He's going to get a game ball tonight. Yeah, yeah. Mopar says it's early, but the, skip, uh, sorry, but the Skip Pete signing is seeming to pay off. I'd expect a boost in the run game with him being on the coaching staff. I think people forgot about yeah, him well said. being brought here. That's yeah, a great well point. Said. I mean, going from like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Powered last year, uh, both of them combined had zero fumbles. And then coming over here and kind of implementing and kind of showing them, showing these young Bucks running backs the ropes, I think has been really beneficial and probably more under the radar than people will seem to think. That's a great point, Adam. Um, and, you know, speaking of game balls, we're going to give a, a game ball to, to Mopar Bucks for that, for sure. I mean, that's fantastic. But when it comes to the players, I think it's time for some game balls, fellas, presented by yes. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So, uh, all right, here is the, uh, the infamous Manscaped read. Let's do it. Attention, fantasy football fanatics, as draft season approaches, don't neglect the most important draft pick of all, your game balls. We all know how injuries can ruin a season, so let Manscaped take care of that Reggie Bush of yours with the skin-safe technology. <laughs> this should guarantee you have a smooth ride into the playoffs. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have created this championship lineup with their Performance Package 4.0, and it's time for you to do the same. Join the 9 million men, including myself, worldwide, who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Pewter. That's right, Pewter. Actually, it's Pewter20. I take that back. Make sure you use Pewter20 because that's that's where you're going to get the 20% off plus the free shipping. Uh, so let me continue. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag. Slotted quarterback, you've got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. The spaceship here is here to guide you on your journey to trim your body, your balls, and even your A-gap. This fourth-generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. Sounds scary, but it's not. A new multi-function on-and-off uh, switch, which can uh, engage a travel lock, and it's even waterproof. Folks, get 20% off, plus free shipping. Use the promo code Pewter20 at Manscaped.com. It's 20% off plus yeah. free shipping with the with the promo code Pewter20 at Manscaped. It's time to put the PP and PPR and get a grip on your pigskin this season with Manscaped. All right, fellas. It is time for the game ball. So let's let's go ahead and, and dish some of those out, shall we? Um, Adam, let's let's start with you. What who is who is your game ball going to tonight? I would say JJ Russell. Uh, if we were going to talk about the defense a little bit here, J.J. Russell led the team with 11 tackles tonight, so he would get my pick. 
Uh, Todd Bull said after the game that he really led the defense uh, throughout the game, and I thought he did really well. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the most improved players this preseason, right? He had that interception that that you see there on your screen against Pittsburgh. He forced a fumble. You guys were there to see it against the Jets. And then 11 tackles tonight. He was really calling the defense because they didn't have Servasier Dennis tonight. They didn't have KJ Britt. Mm-hmm. And they held Levante David out. So it was really Ulysses Gilbert and, and J.J. Russell. Russell went wire to wire, right? Because then you had Devin White for a little bit uh, at the beginning. But Russell, I agree, Adam. Well, well said. Uh, he had a, a great game. I think he's probably the most improved defensive player on this team from a year ago. Matt, let's get your game ball tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. A uh, player everyone knows very well. Uh, Chris Godwin, first time getting to play, made multiple receptions, uh, had the touchdown on the throw from Baker Mayfield. Uh, it was just vintage Chris Godwin. I mean, he's lining up on the outside now, so we saw him in some situations where, up, oh, just beat your guy. Doesn't have to be the craziest of routes. Baker just hit him, bam, first down. We saw him break some tackles as well, and then he did his thing in the end zone. A lot of focus has been on Mike Evans this summer, understandably so, but Chris Godwin looked like uh, he's in for a a great, great season with what he did tonight. Yeah. uh, It's hard to argue with either of those guys. I mean, uh, when Godwin came in, he was just a ball magnet, right? Uh, A pun intended, I guess, but, but yeah, he was just catching everything thrown his way by, by Baker Mayfield. So my game ball is going to Baker Mayfield. I mean, when, when you're perfect, and you throw a touchdown pass, yeah. you know, and, and you've only had one incompletion and two touchdowns and no interceptions <laughs> in the preseason. That's pretty good stat line. It really is. So Baker Mayfield just looks comfortable operating in this system. He and Dave Canales already seem to to just be on the same wavelength. And guys, we've seen it out in training camp. And this is no knock on Kyle Trask, but but just to see how much. Baker Mayfield is connected to the hip with Dave Canales. I mean, we have yeah, we have dozens and dozens of pictures of Baker Mayfield talking to Dave Canales from our photographer Cliff Welch. It, it, that's not by accident. Common occurrence. When 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 they walked off the field together here after the Pittsburgh game. I mean, it was Baker Mayfield talking with Dave Canales. They have a rapport. They have a bond. This offense seems to fit Baker Mayfield. We'll see how the season progresses, but. So far, so good for Baker Mayfield in this offense. Yeah, I think they're going to have a lot of fireside chats throughout the season, just the two yeah. of them, uh, which will be great. I mean, open communication and dialogue usually is is helpful in really any area. Um, before we yeah. wrap up the show, we got a couple of super chats to get to. Tree, parentheses, Ken, thank you for the $20 Canadian super chat. Yeah. says, uh, second, yeah. Peter Report, thanks for what you do. You guys are absolutely killing it this year. It's great to finally have rock-solid coverage of our Buccaneers team. Hashtag go Bucks. Tree, we appreciate that so much. That Thank means you. a lot. Thank you. Yeah. And Trustin with another one, 499, says, do you think Rashad White can make a top 10 finish over 1,200 yards? Uh, I'll answer this first real quick. Can I? Can he be a top 10 rusher? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. with, the, with the Bucks' emphasis on running the football. 1,200, though, I just think the rotation of running backs that they have and the uncertainty yeah. with the depth of the offensive line – I, I, I think 1,200 might be a little bit steep. They even haven't even had a 1,000-yard rusher in a while. Yeah. You know, Adam, I, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. To me, if you look at, at running backs that have 1,200 yards or more rushing, it means one thing. They're on a winning team because in the fourth quarter, they're running the ball. They're salting away some of those games. That, that's where you see a running back that might have 70, 80 yards through the first three quarters 
end up with 110, end up with with 120 yards rushing because they're really force feeding that back the ball. And I think that's going to be key for Rashad White. Maybe I think he gets to a thousand, but is he going to get to 1200 or so? That's going to depend on if the Buccaneers are winning games. You agree? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would say that he would be a thousand yard rusher uh, based on the running back rotation last year. I think uh, Leonard Fournette had 189 carries. White had 129. In a more yeah. realistic sense, you could see White maybe getting 200, 225, and maybe breaking that threshold. And then Sean Tucker, he might be eating into those carries by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned running backs kind of controlling and dictating the clock. I mean, you, you've seen that for years with Derrick Henry on the Titans, uh, Nick Chubb on the Browns. With the Bucks' emphasis on running the ball, the biggest factor yeah. will be, are they actually leading the game and can they control the clock right. instead of fighting from down a couple scores? Yeah. Well, tomorrow we're going to, well, not tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow's Sunday here. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm already excited about Monday's podcast. I want it to be tomorrow, but, but tomorrow is Sunday, not Monday. So Monday, we're going to have at 420, we're going to have uh, a roll call, which is going to be fun. We're going to be talking more about how the starters shine versus the Ravens, talking about Rashad White in this running game. And we have tons of coverage from tonight's game uh, tonight, as well as tomorrow on PeterReport.com, the mothership. So make sure that you're you're tuning into PeterReport.com. You can follow us on social media on X, Instagram, Facebook, and threads at PeterReport. And then our YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribing. We're almost at 11,500 subscribers. Thanks yeah. to you, Peter people. That's PeterReport TV. And uh, we greatly appreciate all the support from you, Peter people. It's why we do this. We love you guys. We love the feedback, the interaction, and, uh, and the videos. We're going to keep cranking them out for you guys. Yes, we will. So that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. For Adam Slavon, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you on Monday for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Out. Chris Nizian, good night, too. Forced a fumble. Did he win spot corner? We'll find out.